The first reading is Psalm 67, and you can find it on, in the Old Testament reading on page 411. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. The second reading is from Acts, chapter 13, on page 781. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And now we move ahead to page 788, chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, 
but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which, you can, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. It is indeed the word of the Lord. It's a good word. I'd encourage you to have Acts open in front of you. That's where we've been working through. If you're new or visiting amongst us, we've been finding our way through there, seeing the great things God has done in the past and continues to do through us, his people. Why don't I pray as we begin? Our Lord and Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is indeed a word of grace, uh, that it is given to us. Uh, though we don't deserve it, it is given to us purely for our benefit. Uh, We thank you that it is powerful to build us up and we pray that your spirit might be at work through your word and in us, strengthening us, uh, confirming our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Father, we uh, give you thanks that your word uh, promises and holds out to us the inheritance among the saints and we ask that we might treasure it. Uh, Father, work in us this morning, we pray, that we might love you all the more because we know you from your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Andrew asked earlier on at the very start for uh, exciting stories, good news. Uh, Let me share some. Uh, I received a prayer letter from people working with a university Christian group uh, in Townsville. Uh, Their year began with 70 first-year students wanting to find out more about Jesus. Uh, 40 of them came to a follow-up dinner where there was a talk speaking of him. Speaking to a friend involved in evangelising city workers in Melbourne, 
Uh, he recently organised a breakfast where 50 people turned up to hear someone's testimony of what Jesus has been doing in their lives. At my mother's church this week, uh, a women's dinner was put on. There was a speaker. Seven women made a commitment to Christ of some sort. Another person told me just the other day how they were involved in this great online conversation with a Buddhist friend uh, in light of, of the disasters that have been going on, uh, a conversation about God and suffering and hope and how we view it. Yeah, they, they are all great stories. There are many more. Uh, most of us get encouraged, even excited by them. And we should be excited. It's right to be excited by them. Uh, today, if nothing else, I want you to be excited again about making Jesus known. Excited enough that you want to have stories of your own that you can share to encourage other people. This morning we're skimming over, well, eight chapters of Acts, Acts 13 to 20. Don't worry, we're not going to look at them in detail. It's, it's a section that bookended by what Laura read to us. Uh, it covers the missionary journeys of Paul, uh, travelling around Syria and Cyprus and Turkey and Greece and Macedonia, um, up until his arrest and his transfer to stand trial before Caesar himself. But these chapters are not just a travelogue. It's not a Lonely Planet guide to you know, Middle East and you know, first century Asia Minor. No, it's Paul taking seriously Jesus' commission. On the road to Damascus, Jesus declared of Paul, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And these chapters are all about Paul taking that call seriously, that, that role of bringing Christ's name before the Gentiles seriously. And, and more than that, for, for us, the, the dominating thread of this section is, is the excitement that comes from that, the excitement of intentionally sharing the word of God. It's, it's what we need to capture this morning, the excitement of intentionally getting the gospel of Jesus out to others. You know, Paul's journeys are, are about being intentional intentional in making Jesus known. Uh, so before this point, the gospel was spreading in a fairly ad hoc way in Acts. So believers spoke about Jesus wherever they went and, and when persecution happened and they had to scatter and go to a new town, they'd talk about Jesus there. But it was, it was all pretty ad hoc. It wasn't intentional, it wasn't thought out. But Acts 13 opens, as we read, with Paul and Barnabas being commissioned. Uh, in verse 2, the Holy Spirit himself is sending him out. And in verse 3, the following verse, is the leadership of the church. Both God and his people are sending them out purposefully. Uh, a clear purpose, verse 5, that they might go and they proclaim the word of God. Now, Luke is writing about their trip then to, to Cyprus, which we read of, uh, and it's all about getting Jesus intentionally proclaimed. Uh, Paul faces up against that sorcerer, Elimas. Uh, it's a great little story, isn't it? And, and in verse 11, uh, Elimas is made blind. It's this ironic judgment on a man who tried to blind other people to salvation in Jesus. Uh, but what really amazed the proconsul, uh, the, the local leader, in verse 12, did you notice it wasn't the miracle that made him remark and be amazed. He was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. These chapters are all about intentionally getting the gospel out. Uh, the re rest of Acts 13, which we didn't read all of, is this extended sermon. Uh, if you flick over the page, 14 verse 3, they speak boldly of the Lord in Iconium. 14 verse 7, they preach the gospel at Lystra. 14 verse 21, I'm not expecting you to look at these closely, by the way. 14 verse 21, they preach the word in Derby. 
And you could follow the thread through all these chapters and just keep seeing verse after verse, it turns up, that they are proclaiming the gospel on purpose wherever they go, that's their goal. Yet Paul is just gripped by a desire to get the message of Jesus to other people. You know, he, he understands intentionality. He understands the adage that if you aim at nothing, you hit it. He understands in a way that perhaps we understand in business, but we don't get it when it comes to our Christian lives. You know, that, that we need to be intentional. You know, if the good news of Jesus is going to get beyond these walls, then we need to be intentional about it. Uh, last weekend's getaway, uh, I understand our community pastor, Haley uh, challenged us. Uh, challenged us who like the fact that our church has a reputation of sorts for wanting to reach out, that we have a reputation for wanting to serve the community and a reputation for wanting to make Jesus' name better known. Uh, she challenged us that we might like riding off that reputation all the while being passengers in the work. That we're content to know, oh yeah, isn't it great that someone is out there and, and intentionally proclaiming Jesus, uh, but maybe we're not doing it ourselves. I suspect part of the problem we have with being intentional about speaking of Jesus is, is we think that it's the same as saying we're, we're reducing our friends to just targets or, 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 or names that need to be ticked off on a list. And if we did that, that would be a terrible thing. Don't do it. But it's a false dichotomy to think that intentionality undermines relationships. Intentionality is actually the key to good relationships. You need to be intentional with people. Uh, today is National Neighbours Day, apparently. I received an email about it. Uh, a day where we're encouraged uh, to intentionally build community. Start it at your front door. Because the reality is, the organisers know, relationships don't happen without being intentional. Now, in friendship, if you're not intentional about catching up with someone, a year goes by and you realise, yeah, didn't get up with them, and, and then it's kind of two years and it's just a little bit too awkward to drop them the line and you, you've lost the friendship. Uh, you know, in, in wanting to care for people, prepare a meal, if you're not intentional about it, it doesn't happen. Uh, in parenting, raising children, if you're not intentional, then you don't do your job of training them. You're just permanently reactive to what they do. Being intentional about sharing the gospel with others is not disrespecting a relationship. It's actually, or, or, or treating them as, as, as like a target. It's actually showing them the ultimate respect that you love them enough to tell them what is genuinely good for them. Now, Paul's ministry, his journeys are intentional about making sure other people know of Jesus. And it's exciting. Now, that's how Luke records it. It is exciting. Um, Acts is meant to be kind of like your racy, you know, paperback airport page-turning novel, okay? It's not a dull and dry, it's not a careful monthly diary of everything that happened. It's lots of stories, it skips over time really quickly, just to tell you another exciting story. It's, it's a page-turner, it's excitement. Uh, it's exciting because the gospel actually does get out. It's a success story. Uh, in 19 verse 20, it puts it, The word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And where it spreads, wherever the gospel spreads, joy follows. Back in, uh, in Pisidian Antioch, in, in 13 verse 52, in Iconium, sorry, uh, the new believers there in 1352 were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, because at last they'd come to know God. Um, in Acts 16, verse 34, in Acts 16, you've got the, the story of the Philippian jailer. This, it's a great story. He's got Paul as a prisoner. Earthquake shakes it. He thinks he's lost his prisoner. He's about to kill himself. No, no, no. Paul reveals, uh, not just that he hasn't run away, but he reveals the gospel to him. This, this Philippian newly converted jailer um, takes him out of the cell and says, why don't you come home and have a meal with the family? Uh, And he and the whole family in 1634, he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. You know, this is exciting because wherever the gospel goes and is received, it brings joy. And it even brings joy when we hear of it happening to others. Uh, In in chapter 15, there's a a council of the the Jerusalem church. And in 15 verse 3, this this well-established church hear about Gentiles being converted and they are overjoyed. It's really exciting when the good news of Jesus gets out. I want to ask you, are you excited about the gospel going out? Acts is not going to give us any heavy-handed commands. You know, you must go and intentionally proclaim Jesus. No, no. it undermines the joy and excitement. It doesn't put this onerous burden on us to share Jesus with others. It just invites us as you read it, go, wouldn't I love to be a part of that? Someone put it to me that in God's kindness, uh, he is cutting us in on the action. He's doing a great, incredible thing. He is transforming the lives of people. He is transforming the world. And as Psalm 67 kind of put it, he's making his salvation known to all the earth. And in his kindness, he is willing to let us be a part of that action, to cut us in and say, yeah, you can share in this excitement. Because there is nothing more exciting than the gospel going out. Someone said to me the other day, nothing sparkles in the world like Jesus. Nothing sparkles in this world like Jesus. You know, it's exciting when, when Jesus gets honoured as he should be. You now It's exciting when people exchange lies for the truth. It's exciting when people secure uh, heaven for eternity rather than hell. It is exciting when, when people come to receive life and life to the full. And, and it all happens when the message of Jesus gets out because... Jesus himself is the message. You know, it's exciting when we, we celebrate someone like Beck getting baptised later today because here is someone who is committing to follow after Jesus. It's exciting when we've got a new church starting tonight at Lavender Bay where hopefully there's lots more room for people to come and hear about Jesus. In a suburb next door where perhaps we weren't reaching you know, by being here. You know, and if these things don't stir you at all, you need to pray and ask God to help you with your priorities. For the throne room of heaven throws a party over every sinner who repents. Yet Paul's journey, they are about the excitement of intentionally making Jesus known because nothing sparkles like him. And how can we share in that? How are you going to join in that excitement today? By imitating Paul. Yes, Paul had this unique role in, in God's plan for saving the world, but, but the Lord never intended that, you know, well, once Paul dies, it'll all stop. No, no, no. The, the idea is we see him and copy him. You know, we're not going to be any of us Christ's apostle to the Gentiles, but we can take a share in the action. We can get in on the excitement. We can be a part of making the good news known. Let me draw six tips. Oh, well, hold up one hand, I need an extra. Six tips. Uh, from copying Paul. 
that we might share in that excitement. Six tips that we might share in the excitement. First, depend on God. Paul's ministry is not in his own strength. Uh, It's marked by prayer and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In Acts 13, it begins in prayer. In in 13.3, they are sent out in prayer, and it's all in response to the Holy Spirit's guiding. Again, over in chapter 16, verse 10, they include that, conclude, sorry, that, that God is calling them they have to go off to Macedonia. And they, as they head off to Macedonia, where do they go? They go to a place of prayer. They understand that unless the Lord builds a house, the builder builds in vain. We are only going to share in the excitement of the gospel if we start by dependence on the Lord. You know, we must keep reading the scriptures, read them regularly, not, not just for a Sunday fix, and, and read them broadly. Don't stick to just your favourite parts of the Bible. You know, read it broadly and regularly so that the Holy Spirit might reshape and guide your thinking, that the Spirit might take his desires and make them yours and you become dependent on him in everything. You know, or, or in prayer, um, I'm involved in uh, a chaplaincy to a, a football club. Uh, each week when I pull up in the car park, I spend the first 10, 15 minutes praying intentionally. You know, I, I pray name by name for all the guys I'm hoping to chat to. I just have this long list. Uh, I, I realise that opportunities to speak to them of Jesus, um, you know, I expect it's going to be hard. Perhaps that's like you with your colleagues and neighbours. It's not going to happen without divine assistance. You know, bring regularly the names of those you want to reach this year to the Lord. If you want to share in that excitement, depend on him. Uh, secondly, Explain Christ. Paul's teaching always centres on Jesus. Uh, In Acts 13, he he shows how all the promises of God are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. You know, the the promised Saviour, he's raised to eternal life. He is the King and the Christ. That Jesus alone is the place where sins can be forgiven. Uh, And he does that in every sermon, every conversation he has. Acts 18 verse 5, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Yeah, it's really easy, isn't it, to talk about God in a generic way. Yeah, to talk with people about you know, what matters in life and, uh, and talk about values and virtues and ethics and just keep it away from the specific of Jesus. But unless we get to the specific of explaining Jesus, we will never share the excitement of the gospel getting out because Jesus himself is the news. A trend a while ago in Christian evangelism was, was bridge building, you know, making connections with other people from, from those who are in church to those who aren't church. And that, that's a great, good thing to pursue rather than, you know, killing people with in-house jargon. At the same time, remember when it was around the warning told to me, you can spend a lifetime building bridges with people and never cross it by speaking of Jesus. Now, let's not miss the excitement by failing to speak about Jesus plainly in all his wonder. Third tip from Paul, start with what they know. Paul is, is carefully preaches differently according to circumstance. So to, to the Jews in, in Pisidian Antioch in, in Acts 13, he gives this Old Testament review uh, where he runs through everything, how it all funnels down to Jesus being their Christ, their Saviour. Um, when in Acts 17, he's in Athens to these polytheistic pagans, these, these Greeks, it's completely different. He starts with their religiosity and he starts with the fact that they, they know about an unknown God and, and it leads to you know, Jesus being resurrected as their judge. That is, he tailors the message to who he's speaking to. Many years ago, I was taught the um, two ways to live gospel summary. Do people know that? 
Either we, either we know it and we're just completely asleep, or yeah, some people know it. Yeah, Six boxes to try and explain. Here are the essences of the gospel. Uh, I was encouraged to use it for evangelism, and, and it's a great course, well worth learning, but foolishly, I dumped it on people, I think. I didn't feel like I'd share the gospel unless I got those six boxes out, preferably with the pictures. Yeah. I failed to understand how the, the gospel is just an engagement with people and God where they are at, not imparting a formula. I felt to see the beauty of how Jesus did ministry, how you know, he met people and he'd just tell a simple story that would cut to the heart of people's situation and it would just show them the solution God offers. You know, we, we share in the excitement of the gospel going out as we actually understand people and listen to them and work within their framework that we might explain Jesus clearly. Fourth tip, persist. Persist. In Acts 14, Paul preached at Lystra. Um, The previous town didn't like him. Opposition had followed. They got him publicly stoned. Uh, He was left, uh, thought to be dead. He wasn't dead, so what does he do? The very next day, he gets up again and he's preaching in Derby and then he comes back to the town he was stoned in to preach again. He persists. In 19 verse 8, Paul spent three months in Ephesus speaking boldly, reasoning, persuading others about the kingdom of God. He just persists. You know, the, the excitement of seeing the gospel go out doesn't happen in one conversation. Um, I'm yet to meet the person who became a Christian the very first time they heard of Jesus. It takes weeks and months and years of people checking it out. At the moment, I'm in an email conversation with uh, a woman who used to follow Jesus but now no longer believes that God exists. You know, and it's tempting to kind of throw my hands up in despair But as long as she's willing to keep the conversation going, I'll persist. Fifthly, expect repentance. If we're going to share in the excitement of the gospel, we actually need to call people to live differently. When Paul preached in in, uh, Ephesus in Acts 19, they turned from their idolatry. Um, In our modern terms, nearly $8 million worth of magic spells get destroyed in the town. Massive. Because people were turning their back on false hope. They were were repenting. In Acts 15, uh, the council makes this resolution, yeah, we want to welcome Gentile believers, but but firmly calls them to to get away from the trappings of immorality and idolatry. The excitement of the gospel comes when lives are changed and we're doing a disservice to people if we hide the hard demands that Jesus makes on their lives. Try and sugarcoat it, but actually we're deceiving. Bonhoeffer put it, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus, living and incarnate. But costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the, for the sake of it, a man will gladly go and sell all he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell all his goods for. It is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It's the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciples leave their nets and follow him. We need to preach a gospel that is worth changing your life for. A gospel that expects no no change, a cheap grace reaps cheap rewards, but, but one of costly grace brings riches and joy. As we share the good news with other people, we need to share how Christ will cut into the way they live, but how those changes will ultimately be in their interest. 
Final tip to share in that joy, care for those you share the gospel with. Paul's departing speech to the Ephesian elders gives that insight into his motivation. Um, You may have noticed the tears that flowed at the very end because he loved them so deeply. He said in 20 verse 18, You know how I lived when I was among you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility, with tears, although I was severely tested. You know I haven't hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul ministered because he really cares about these people. Now just for a moment, think of the people who impacted you for Christ. People who impacted me most haven't always been the best preachers or the most knowledgeable at giving answers, but they've been people who've cared for me. They've cared enough to share their lives, they've cared enough to talk to me about how Christ changes them. Now that kind of care and concern allows you to share in the gospel being spread and the excitement of it. So the gospel, this news is worth getting out and when it does, it is exciting. How are you sharing that excitement? Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank you for the wonderful news of Jesus. We thank you that in him there is life. And we thank you that this is news we can rejoice in, but even more, we can have others share in and be excited about. Father, make us people who intentionally look for the opportunities to speak of Christ. And as those situations come, may we take it. Father, we ask that you might be kind to us and let us be excited all the more and excited again about the good news of Jesus and how it might change the lives of those around us. In his name we pray. Amen.